Hello and welcome to another edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Wallen. Well, the federal government has now made it official. They have said no to a public inquiry into how they managed the pandemic, despite repeated promises to do just that. You know, we've had some 450 royal commissions and inquiries in this country into all manner of things. One would think in an event that changed our entire world, it might be worthy, but apparently not. I think New Democrat MP Don Davies from BC uh, summed it up best. The only way, he said, to restore confidence in the public is to have the courage to have an impartial, independent, public and properly resourced kind of a whole route to branch inquiry into how the pandemic was handled. And he added with the power to subpoena documents. Well, that's clearly not going to happen. So we will carry on with our discussion. How do we prevent the next crisis, save lives, rebuild trust if we don't go through the lessons learned process? We don't want to just leave it to courts or individual government departments, because that, of course, was part of the problem. A few outside groups are trying to examine exactly what happened and think about what next should it happen again. One such group, and over the next few weeks, we're going to talk to a a lot of these groups to see what they're thinking. But one of the groups, uh, the Public Policy Forum, they convened what they call an ongoing life sciences forum to think about the questions that do need to be answered. Chris Waddell, a former journalist, former director of the School of Journalists, and now Ladida, the professor emeritus at Carleton of Journalism, um, was brought in to author the summary paper to put all his journalistic uh, skills uh, to work. So, Chris, welcome. And that was quite a task to take this on. Um, the thing that really struck me, and and you've entitled the this report, The Next One, and you you began your discussion with this kind of shocking conclusion. I, I mean, it's not after what we saw, but that we have to say it aloud. Health is now a national security and public safety issue. For sure, and and part of that, Pam, is because we lo- we looked at um, the the purpose of the forum is to get bring together industry, academics, uh, researchers, and government government departments to uh, initially look at what happened during the pandemic, but also think about, and most importantly, think about what should be done differently to ensure that we're better prepared for the next pandemic. And and I should say not just pandemic, because there's also a range of security and 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 uh, emergency issues that we're seeing from the from uh, from climate and from other issues that are going on across the country, all which will have health impacts if a community yeah. is actually cut off from from water or uh, or or electricity for some period of time uh, or anything like that. So it's it's but part of it certainly is uh, is driven by the pandemic and what we, and what was learned during the pandemic by bringing people together. One of the uh, when, when the health committee, the federal the uh, parliamentary health committee, was trying to deal with this. They said there were some 900,000 documents that they wanted access to, but government forbade. Did you actually try to access government documents or were you thinking about going forward? No, we weren't, we weren't accessing government documents. What we did was we, the, the forum has brought together people from industry and. Yeah. And just have the conversation. People from government who were involved in, in. Yes, have a conversation and and also go to some outside experts to sort of see what's going on in other countries to look at uh, preparations and to look what's been done in other countries as well, uh, subsequent to the pandemic to uh, to be better prepared for health issues. And some of it, some of it, uh, as the report suggests, a lot of it is is 
relates to things that we don't really think about very much, which is uh, what's the state of our um, bioscience manufacturing sector in the country, which is not very um, large at the moment, uh, and issues involving supply chains and ability to access the things that you need in order to uh, to respond uh, to respond effectively, whether it's uh, personal protective equipment or whether it's uh, um, vaccines and other and other things. Because this raises a whole series of questions. You obviously can't just decide tomorrow you're going to create a pharmaceutical industry. We we had one of those, and because of some political imperatives, uh, uh, they went they went away. Um, but we've been through this with SARS. Um, the last sort of mini health crisis, certainly the tainted water scandal in Ontario. And we see other countries really engaging in this lessons learned process, but we're not seeing government do it. Is it adequate for outside groups like the one you were working with to try and look at it from outside the, the doors and windows? Um, I, th- I think the, the process that's been undertaken is going to be an uh, ongoing one where they're meeting and the some of the issues and, and um, we came up with the report has six recommendations in it, yep. um, three of which relate to the structure of, of how um, of how how public private um, sectors should work together and the institutions that can foster that to be prepared and to organize in essence to do some of the things that were done during the pandemic in a in a rush. And then the other part of it is is emergency preparedness and emergency planning, and and so uh, both of those have private sector and public sector components, and uh, and are broader than and, and also the other complication that comes in any sort of health emergency is uh, federal provincial status of who's responsible for what, and right. the fact that in a country like Canada, a lot of the in the pandemic case, a lot of it's determined by provincial governments uh, where who are responsible for health, where they didn't all have the same rules and the same. So I'm just going to say to our viewers, yeah, I'm just going to say to our viewers and listeners that uh, Chris's um, uh, feed is is freezing from time to time. So I'm going to try and be quiet because his words do catch up. We've tried to fix it, uh, but we can't really. But we want to carry on uh, with the conversation. So in these meetings, and as you say, you've brought uh, officials and experts together is uh, what was their critique of the system? Because I think we all did watch this happen, which provinces were doing their own thing, federal departments were each doing their own thing, and it appeared that there was not a lot of um, coordination, if I can put it gently. Um, I I think that's probably a a little harsh in some respects, considering the degree to which a lot of this was stuff no one had ever done before. And yeah. also, and also, a lot of it required um, skills that hadn't happened before. And I'm thinking about, but but if you look at our rec- the recommendations, I mean, the recommendations from the report talk about the need to create a new institution to actually oversee all this that can that can help promote scientific discovery on the model that they, that that the the, um, the forum listened to was people from the Biomedical Advanced Research and Development Authority (BARDA) in the United States, which has set up an organization that is working with industry that's actually supporting industry and what it's trying to do, trying to coordinate what's actually happening in, in scientific research and development and, and being able to take take what's discovered and kind of move it to a level where, where it can be produced and manufactured and where it can be manufactured. So, But what Canada found itself in during the pandemic was um, something we've heard lots about in the last little while, but that nobody really pays much attention to is global supply chains and supply chain. Right. Where does where do things come from? And and so what the report looks at is look, thinking, asking, can Canada 
think about areas where it might be able to have a degree of expertise that it could market to other countries and thereby it, it make itself indispensable on something that could make us in a, put us in a better position for in a global supply chain where we could we could trade what we can do with what other people can do or, or what okay. we manufacture or what we produce what, and, what might and, that and be? put us in a better position. What could be lots of different things. And that's the, the next the next stage of, of the forum is going to be looking at that. It could be how quickly can we conduct can we conduct clinical trials? Um, can we conduct them more quickly than other countries so that somebody has a product that they think might be able to a vaccine or something like that? How quickly can we can we do clinical trials on it? Can we assemble the data? Can we share the da data with the manufacturer and then be able to talk about uh, how effective uh, how effective it might be or not be? Uh, Israel did a fair amount of that. Yeah, I was, was going to say that's what Israel that did. The pandemic. Yeah. And then they have yes. early access. We, we, you know, we have a very diversified population in Canada with people from all over the world. Um, maybe maybe we can do some work in that area that would be beneficial to other countries. Um, it, it, there's uh, part of the part of the issue was to say we want to try to the forum said we want to try to develop this. And the next question becomes going to everyone who's involved and saying, well, what is it we should be working on to actually create that where we might have some some advantage. So that's part of it. And, and then the other part that, that played a big role in the pandemic where we actually did very well was um was being a good customer and mm -hmm. that's being being uh that's being able to buy uh goods when you have the money to be able to buy it quickly to be able to move into a market and, and purchase it and to build relationships with the manufacturers of the products that you might need in any sort of uh in any sort of pandemic and that's an area where where uh might involve innovative procurement methods um new ideas and new approaches to how you go about it and 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 building relationships with the suppliers of some of these uh, products that might be needed in a pandemic. Of course, it's difficult to know because you don't know what a pandemic or an emergency might require. Um, right, so you have to you have, have to work on some of that as well. I mean, presumably, we've learned our lesson about China. We spent uh, a lot of money uh, buying bad vaccine, bad masks, bad everything. So I'm assuming we're not going to go through that process again. That 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 lesson has been learned. Um, that's, um, that's up to the procurement people to figure out, but yeah, you try to, you try to, you, you, there are, there were the other part, the other part of the exercise in the, in the forum was there were a bunch of people at, in government and people in the private sector and the heads of Canadian companies, Canadian subsidiaries of international drug companies or international pharma, uh, biomedical companies who were in Canada at the, at the time and all went through this together and worked, worked very well together. Um, part of the forum's efforts is to try to capture what were the lessons learned from that while those people are still in those positions. Right. And before everyone goes off to, to, uh, to do something else. And at the same time, also try to, um, there's a lot of things going on in Canada. There's a lot of things going on in the world. And it's easy to put this aside and say, well, it's uh, it's um, it, it's not that important, even if we do a study and then no one actually acts on the study. Well, yeah. it's it, it, the I have, a, I have a, a friend who used to be the um, used to be in charge of real estate for a major national a retailer in Canada. And one of yeah. her big um, challenges was always that um, every year they put in uh, a line item in their budget for uh, maintenance and repairs to all their buildings and all their facilities. And during the year, as the year would go on, there'd be financial issues, other things come along. And, and so all that money would get, um, would get taken from that budget. So she didn't have the money she needed to actually keep their buildings in good shape. Well, this is kind of like that in that we need to, the, the forum, the report argues that we need to spend that money and, and keep our focus on keeping everything prepared and keeping everything ready.
Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, we were just tossing out the leftover gear from post SARS, but we didn't replace it. Um, you know, that's the kind of thing well, you, you're suge suggesting. You know, you spend the money for today's issue without thinking about tomorrow. It, it, it's more fundamental than that, I think, in part, isn't it? In that we didn't, to some extent, didn't really know what we actually had in warehouses and yeah. in storage. Because, yeah. and, and that, that gets to our second point, which talk about the need to build data systems that uh, across the country that are modern, that uh, that so that federal government, provincial governments, uh, and private sector can all communicate and know what actually is happening on on the level. And because data and and it's the data that you can build and uh, let you know what you've got, let you know what you need to have, let you know what it is, yeah. let you know when it's expired and it needs to be replaced. All those things. Yeah, and you need to be able to collect that data both between pandemics or between incidents and during the thing is you need to know how how those systems are working and i i noted down this line from the report that the pandemic laid bare a glaring absence canada has no institution to connect a change of urgent requirement and needs which is partly what you're talking about with that barda system which is really mm -hmm. about the science side but it's everything else. It's boats yes. and planes and trains too. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And and who's developing stuff? And it's and, and it's even to the extent of can you use, um, say, for instance, the, the labs that might be in universities? Can they be turned on short notice into doing uh, analysis work to determine what uh, what what uh, what might be causing a virus, or what might what the sources of the virus, or what or how a how a uh, um, a vaccine might work? So there's there's basically it's it's a question of. Um, to some degree, it's, it, this goes back a long time, but goes back to my PhD thesis too, which was looking at the Second World War and preparing and the domestic economy in Canada. Basically, it's how can you do, what are the resources you have, you can quickly reprogram or reposition to actually do the things that you need to do in a health emergency to be able to provide the service to people that that they want and need and that involves industry that involves government that and some of the government some of the government end is also involves can government make money available quickly enough and fast enough to be able to go out and buy something to ensure that you're far enough ahead in the line to get the vaccines as opposed to having to go to the back of the line because wait two months while 25 committees agree to spend the money uh, so yeah. it's some of that sort of thing. Um, the other issue that I just really want to touch on, and I, th this line isn't great, so we we won't carry on too long. But I, I just last month in September, sitting there watching um, Teresa Tam, the chief public health officer, hold a press conference. Everybody was wearing N95 masks, sitting six feet apart. And every single person I talked to, this was almost like a trigger for weary, angry Canadians. Uh, you know, we got so many different kinds of information. Don't wear a mask, not necessary. Wear a mask, wear this kind of mask, take it on. Like the trust has also broken down and I don't know how you deal with that through the organization and the, the, the operation that you're proposing. Can we deal with that? Is there a way? Well, I think there's two issues, one of which you can deal with and the second one you can't deal with. Uh, I think, and as, that's another one of our recommendations when we talk about health risk patients. And that's to say that it's important that people understand that when you do science, there is never any absolute answer to anything. The answer is what what's based on the best information we have today. 
And the best information we have today may change tomorrow. The problem with the pandemic, I would argue, which gets into back into journalism, is that in the world of journalism, we've seen a massive um, abandonment by news organizations of specialized reporters, reporters that cover an issue for yeah. a long period of time, understand an issue. So instead, when something when something happens, whether it's a pandemic or whether it's allegations of uh, Chinese influence in Canada, uh, they everything now devolves to be covered primarily by political reporters. Yep. And political reporters, so they apply the lens of, of politics to how they do things, which is, well, you said last week it was this, and this week you're saying it's not, so that must be... A flip-flop. That means, why were you lying last week? What was, yeah. and, and there's not a level of sophistication among political reporters to deal with complicated issues, frankly. And the, but, but that's not to absolve the, um, some of the groups involved, because there, were, there was confusion around vaccines at some point. There were other those issues, which, uh, which led to people getting different messages. But the key message in any sort of science issue is science is not an absolute. It's changing all the time. And it changes on the basis of the latest research and the quality of the research that's being done, and which may lead to a different decision. So it's important for the communicators to say, this is what we know at the moment, but we can't tell you that's still going to be true three months from now because we don't, someone may have done an internal study that proves that what we thought was right. Remember, at some point, people were terrified about their groceries. We're going to give them COVID or the elevator no, no. or the or, yeah. or the belts that the, the belts that, the, that you put your groceries on to get them checked out. Um, we're going to had to be washed all the time to prevent you getting COVID. Well, over time, it became clear that wasn't really an issue. But right. the the air, uh, transmission, aerosol transmission was an issue. So so that's part of it. And then the one last thing I'd say on um on all this related to that is a recommendation we made that I think is important is that there needs to be um, simulations or tests and trials of the whole system exactly. and see how it actually works. Yeah. Um, organizations do simulation. I, I was walking down the street at my house the other day and the police had taken over a house and we're doing a simulation of how do they deal with someone in a house that's, that won't come out and is blockaded. That's a, that's what it's, well, the, the emergency planning and, and, and um, health health security system needs to be tested and it needs to have all the people involved to find out what works what doesn't work what information you need what what information who should be part of the process that maybe is not part of the process and the only way you find out is to do simulations and tests yeah and that hopefully would make us better prepared for what the next one might be because i've got to say in the course of the pandemic the the two places that i felt most at risk was not at work not in my home uh not sitting on an airplane being returning to this country and and being shoved in a room with hundreds and hundreds of other people from around the world uh, where there were much different levels of response to this and being forced to stand there um, for hours upon hours and in lineups to actually get vaccines. Uh, so you're you're fun you're so fundamentally right, which is, that's where the public hits this issue, where the rubber meets the road, and that's what we have to try and resolve, uh, for sure. Yeah, I think I, I think some of it's been made a bit better by the ability. Uh, we've seen provinces change some of their health regulations so that now you don't have to go to a doctor's office to get some prescriptions. You can get you, you can get a vaccine at a drugstore, and some of that has benefited Muga. But but the other thing you have to remember is that there was a whole distribution system behind that getting the vaccine to the drugstore so you could get the vaccination a little more easily uh, that actually plays a big role in can you yeah. get the vaccines how do you distribute that remember in this case the vaccines all had to be many of them had to be kept at a temperature that wasn't yeah. normally uh wasn't normally 
used to for the for the mRNA vaccines. So that's also what we tried to look at and try in thinking about how did how was that system created and what can we learn from all the participants in that system to make us better prepared for when when it might have to be used again. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the report is called The Next One. It was uh, put together by the Public Policy Forum. They brought together experts, and Chris Waddell, with all his expertise, was brought in to, uh, to do the report of this first session. So we appreciate your insights into that. I'm sorry about this technical issue here, and I think it's something we're going to be looking at because there's court cases coming. There's a whole lot of things, and uh and we'll we'll have you back another time with others who are looking at this to see if we uh, if we're making any progress. <laughs> well, and the report the report is meant the forum is meant to meet regularly over the next few years. Exactly. And yeah. there are there are working groups that have been set up to actually look at some of these specific issues, like the question of a of um, where might Canada have a comparative advantage in the yep. supply in global supply chains that we could actually get involved in and get working on now so that we could become known for something that might help us when we're around for the next one. So, And there'll be reports coming out, I think, on those issues as time goes on over the next little while. Right. So we'll be talking to you regularly is what you're saying. <laughs> well, probably not that regularly. I'm, I'm not sure that I know enough to be able to be a regular guest. But <laughs> Anyway, thanks so much, Chris. I really appreciate this uh, this window into the discussions that are, that are going on. That's sure, great. Thanks we'll, for asking, Pam. Yeah, and we will talk soon. Chris Waddell. Professor Emeritus of, of Journalism at Carleton, but the author of this report on, on behalf of the Public Policy Forum. So thanks for joining us today. And as promised, we will return to this issue as we try and sort out uh, whether, in fact, we are really doing what needs to be done to get ready for the next one, as the report is called. We'll see you very soon for another edition of No Nonsense with Pamela Long.